Hey everyone, we're back with another director spotlight on Find Your Film. We are me, uh, me, Bruce Perky, and Eric Holmes. We are you. We are your value addled podcast. Value addled. What does that mean, Eric Holmes? You came up with a wait, wait, no, Bruce Perky. You came up with value addled. Why did you say value addled? Why, why are we value addled? Because we addle so much value to the podcast. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Good enough. Do you agree, Eric Holmes, that we are value addled? A little bit. Oh addled? yeah. We maybe even a little value adderald, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of that. I, I agree with that. This one's. A, I'm a little bit nervous about this episode because here's the thing, Walter Hill. I like to say that Walter Hill has been in my personal life as a moviegoer, cinephile for almost 30 years. And I feel ashamed that I have not seen, there's a bunch of movies of his that I still haven't seen. And um, Extreme Prejudice pops to the top of my head, Trespass. So I, I don't feel like I'm the biggest expert in Walter Hill, but the two movies we are going to spotlight for this episode, I know sort of what I'm talking about. And I'm so excited we get to talk about Last Man Standing, starring Bruce Willis and what was the other movie, Last Man Standing and Southern Comfort, starring Keith Carradine and Powers Booth. Streets of Homes, Eric Holmes, you're a huge fan of Streets of Fire. Was that your first entryway as far as Walter Hill's work or just finally appreciating? I'm sure you saw 48 Hours, maybe even before that, but was it Streets of Fire, which really turned the light on for you regarding Walter Hill? I actually think it might have been Streets of Fire. It could have been 48 Hours. I, I can't remember. I, I remember Streets of Fire came on HBO when I was little, and I, I would watch it go, oh, what's this? And it, it was a movie kind of disappeared from my life for a long time and came back to it eventually. But yeah, definitely uh, Streets of Fire. Love that movie. Love 48 Hours. Hard Times, uh, his first one with, with Charles Bronson. That one's really good. Um, I, I saw the head. A bullet to, the, to the Greg uh, yeah. <laughs> later on. But yeah, the Walter Hill, like, um, you know, you mentioned with uh, Aaron Sorkin, a couple other people before. Walter Hill's one of those names I didn't know right away. I just know I liked his movies. And then later on, oh, this guy made all these movies that I like. And yay for him. Uh, he definitely has kind of a John Milius kind of vibe to to his movies. Like a his movies are real tough guy kind of movies. And uh you know, maybe not for everyone, but they're definitely entertaining and they can be stupid sometimes, but they're, you know, I, I always enjoy them. Well, that that's a really great summation on Walter Hill's work, actually. Yeah, Bruce, Berkey, when did Walter Hill enter your life? When did you start realizing and respecting or just starting to love his movies and realize that this is, this is sort of on a, a tour? I think, yeah, I think that it was probably 48 hours where I first recognized, oh, hey, I've seen other things by this guy. I know I had seen Southern Comfort before that. Although, and I think that was the only time I'd seen it until this time. Uh, but I definitely had seen it. And I had seen uh, The Warriors before that too. So I, his movies are kind of like with those movies that they would come up and I'd always end up watching them because they were just... They would entice you, you know, kind of like we said about, like I said about De Palma, you know, where De Palma movies, even when I didn't know who he was, his movies always were movies like, oh, I want to see that movie. Now, some of them work better than others for me, but I always was interested in, in seeing what came out, especially during his heyday. There's been definitely, there's been some I've missed. I haven't seen Hard Times and some of his 90s stuff I, I kind of fell off on, but, but pretty much everything before that I saw. 
Okay, so the movies we're covering again is Southern Comfort, made in 1981. And then the other one that we're doing is Last Man Standing, made in 1996. These were random picks for me. Okay, and the reason why we picked both of them initially was because both of these movies are currently streaming on Tubi. Now, Tubi is a mm-hmm. streaming service, which it is free. So it's great. I, I actually love the service. And the ads that they do on Tubi are not that intrusive. They're actually pretty seamless. So I, I highly recommend you listener to check out these Walter Hill movies on Tubi. By the way, there's another Walter Hill film within the last week that has been added to Tubi, and it is Bullet to the Head, a 2012 movie starring Sylvester Stallone. Eric Holmes gives a thumbs up because I know that's one of... You know what? I'm sure Eric Holmes can actually talk about that movie ad nauseum. I don't, I'm assuming Bruce Perky, you haven't seen Bullet to the Head yet. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I feel like I might have started. No, I saw the one. There's some newer movie that's Schwarzenegger where he's on a farm or something. And it's not. Wait, maybe? Yeah. The Last yeah, Stand, I, I think. Maybe that, that might be. Yes. The you know. Yes. I've seen part of The Last Stand. I haven't seen Bullet to the Head at all. So yeah, bullet I can't to the head. say yes or no for that one. Okay, before we get to those two movies, Eric Holmes, Bullet to the Head, does it have one of the best axe-wielding fights ever committed to celluloid? <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't hold a candle to uh, Nick Cage's chainsaw fight in Mandy, but it, it is pretty... Actually, no. There's a, uh, there's a uh, fight at the end of Streets of Fire with Michael Perret and Willem Dafoe at the end of Streets of Fire that I think is better than that. But yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. He, yeah. You know, now that now that you mention it, Walter Hill seems to be pretty fond of uh, those kind of one-on-one fights. Yes. And in fact, is. and we'll get to it in uh, Southern Comfort. There's a similar kind of fight with that. It's not an axe, but there's uh, there's a lot of knife play in that as well. Little I, I, I mean, I guess just to jump into it, that, that's one of the great things about Walter Hill is he's a great action director. You know, there's not a lot of flash to what he does. A lot of his movies are real dirty looking. You know, they have that kind of lived in patina to them. But and even the way he shoots and stages action, it's really uh, um, you feel that the people are really struggling with each other and, you know, trying to fight dirty, you know, bite, pinch, pull, that sort of thing. And there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of choreography or not a lot of apparent choreography in a lot of his fight scenes, which I think make them really visceral and really kind of really kind of hit home at least for me no i agree with you bruce in your research regarding walter hill's work did it ever surprise you at how diverse he is because he's known as a tough guy director but if you you know we we've all skimmed a little bit more of his body of work are you surprised that he was a, also a successful screenwriter the stuff that he did with alien and deadwood do you think the tough guy stuff kind of precedes him meaning that there's a lot more to him or do you think he's just a tough guy who's done a couple of really cool things along with that you know i think option one that you said is more true i was surprised to see like a lot of those non-directing things that he had his hands in all the alien stuff i was really surprised at and uh deadwood and all those kind of things and all a ton of writing that he's done because my impression has always been kind of what you said the the tough guy you know especially the real highlighted ones you know 48 hours warrior streets of fire on and on that stuff all sticks in my head and that's kind of my impression of him that's what i think of him uh so yeah i was surprised yeah and to your point eric 
you're you're a writer yourself. You've written a screenplay. You're going to direct a movie based on on that on your screenplay. But he was talking about how he, as a writer, he learned he learned to actually write scripts in a very lean fashion from this screenwriter named Alexander Jacobs. And that's when Walter Hill started becoming a screenwriter before he became a director. Okay, and he realized that he didn't want to put too much flourish in his scripts. If you read his scripts, they're all lean and mean and tough. And I think that goes to your point about how his body of work, there's a, a really no-nonsense approach to it. Now, before we get to Southern Comfort, check this out. And I'm, I'm stealing from another podcast. You're talking about the heyday of Walter Hill, okay? So from the years, in 48 Hours was released in 1982. So most people know Walter Hill as a director of 48 Hours, turned Eddie Murphy into an even bigger star, put Nick Nolte on the map, continue to put him on the map as an A-list actor. So, so think of 1982. The movies that he did before 1982 among peak Walter Hill fans are 1975, Hard Times, 1978, The Driver. The Driver, obviously, we all know Edgar Wright when they released, what, what is that movie, Baby Driver or whatever that is? He's, he consistently mentioned Walter Hill's The Driver as a huge influence for him. In 1979, you guys, I'm sure, have talked about this movie ad nauseum. He released The Warriors. 1980, he released the un- unheralded, the un- underrated, not underrated anymore among Western fans, but the 1980 film The Long Riders. And in 1981, he released currently my favorite Walter Hill movie, Southern Comfort. Okay, now, plots, plot synopsis of Southern Comfort. Again, it's streaming on Tubi. Very, very simple plot. During a routine exercise, a team of National Guards are threatened by angry and violent locals. These National Guards, they're, uh, they're in the bayou, a Louisiana bayou, and you know they do a couple things that probably piss off the locals, and then hijinks ensue. Bruce Porky, Southern Comfort, this is the second time you've seen it. You are now more mature as far as a cinema goer. What was your initial uh, reactions upon the rewatch? Well, I remember my, well, so first of all, my initial initial reaction, I was remembered it being kind of like a kind of like deliverance light. That was my original thoughts when I first saw it. And I think that probably hurt it at the time a lot too, because it was so close to such an epic movie of deliverance, which deliverance is one of my favorite movies of all time. So you have to kind of get that out of your brain. This time around, I really enjoyed it much more. And I feel like this is actually a better companion piece to something like Predator, like the first Predator. I feel like it's a lot more like that. In But in one major difference, one thing I really love about this, because they're National Guards, it's like they're none of them are great at it, right? None of them are really, like in Predator, they're all like high skilled mercenaries all the best of their the best of the best these guys are all kind of you know weekend warriors and that's sort of the fun of this movie is you get these weekend warriors all acting out various degrees of toughness who don't really know each other that well and they get in this situation that is a lot more dangerous and deadly than they thought and then everything kind of unravels from there so i i quite enjoyed it this time you have to let you have to with a lot of his movies you have to do this there's a level of unbelievability about it. There's a kind of a heightened reality. There's definitely scenes where you can go like, that's not logical. That doesn't make sense. 
if you go into his movies with that problem, you're going to have a problem with all of his movies. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to kind of kind of go in and understand that these aren't perfectly realistic depictions of the world as we know it. There's going to be some leaps of of logic. So I'll put it that way. Yeah. Eric Holmes, have you seen, had you already seen Southern Comfort or is this your first time seeing it? No, I've, I've, I've seen it before. Uh, this is one of them that I've seen the least amount, probably this and this in hard times. I, actually, uh, Last Man Standing for that matter. But uh, yeah, this one, I, I like it. Description is a little off because they weren't being threatened by the locals. They That's stole true. the locals boat and then they shot blanks at them. <laughs> Yeah. So that this is uh Southern Comfort I, I think is a movie normally like with Predator they're you know the good guys and they're just trying to defend themselves in Southern Comfort they're assholes. In fact, mm-hmm. well, it would be a spoiler if I say, you know, there's one person there that has, you know, the group's he's a good leader, has the group's best interests and then he's out of the movie and then True. uh but, the, but this is uh, this is kind of like a Ten Little Indians, if I'm using that mm-hmm. story correctly. I was I was thinking the same thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, these these are all people that get what's coming to them. Uh, they start some shit, and then the uh, uh, we'll say locals or the uh, surroundings kind of uh, fight back, and they get what they got coming to them. So I guess if you're watching it as these guys are heroes you're probably going to be a little offended by that the movie could be so bold as to call them heroes. But if you look at it as these are assholes get that are getting what's coming to them, it's pretty fun in that regard. I, I would only add, though, that there's different degrees of assholeness. Like some of them are, I mean, there's some hardcore assholes and there's some that are just kind of out of their element or have some other kind of deficiency that causes them to be, you know what I mean? Like, like some are deluded, some are assholes, some are just like, oh, I didn't sign up for this and now I'm kind of stuck in here and what am I going to do? So that, and in that sense, they're kind of like, I guess I already said predator. In that sense, it's kind of like aliens, you know, like all the guys in aliens are like different styles, you know, like the, all the, the Marines, you know, and you have the game over man and then you have the hardcore people. So you have a little of that in here too. But yeah. I think the fun is, like you said, kind of watching how each of these people do various degrees of unraveling or not unraveling or toughening up in the situation and how each of them kind of meets something. (laughs) They they meet something. Bruce Perky, he named himself powers Bruce on this episode. Yeah. Speaking to that, the movie stars, check this cast out. Keith Mm -hmm. Carradine powers booth, Fred Ward, Franklin Seals from I remember the late actor Franklin Seals. I remember him from Silver Spoons. T.K. Carter, Peter Coyote, Alan Autry. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's a character actor. You've seen him a million times. Brian James, B-R-I-O-N James. That mm-hmm. cast is amazing. Score by frequent Walter mm-hmm. Hill collaborator Ry Cooter. The movie is lensed by Andrew Laszlo. I I'm not as big of an expert on Walter Hill as say Eric Holmes is, but I, upon a second watch, this is set in the Bayou. This is a really beautiful looking movie. I was, I was taking screenshots of this film and it's the compositions amidst all the action and killing and uh, you know, you know, all that stuff. I, 
it's a beautiful movie to look at. Eric, did you did you find that as well? Did you find this to be visually arresting for upon that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When we talked about sorcerer and uh, movies in this era in the jungle, granted this is a swamp, but just the greens and everything in this predator, uh, sorcerer, romancing the stone, and yeah, uh, southern comforts, kind of you know, not jungle but swamps, kind of same thing, uh, same kind of color palette. I don't know something about it just pops off screen for me. And I love it and I can't quite put my finger on it, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would want a picture of it on my wall of each frame of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Not to give too much away, Bruce, but did you like the, the final act? Because I thought the final act of Southern yes. Comfort is a lesson in tension. I was going to, I was going to mention that yes. and not say what the final act is because you don't want to, because that, tells you some things you don't want to know i could easily imagine that studios probably said we don't want that to be your final act because it does uh, i don't i can't talk about it but i <laughs> thought the the final act for me was my almost my favorite part i think of the whole movie i loved it so much because the way it plays out and ah uh, there's comparisons that i want to make um yeah go for it it reminds me in some ways of the very beginning of deliverance um yes. i'm not going to say why and it reminds me a little bit of apocalypse now also and i'm not going to say why um but i love it it does a really interesting thing tonally where it combines things that don't seem like they'd be very tense with some things that are very tense and it does it in a really cool way. And by then you're so invested in your characters that when the things go down, you're, you're, you're on board. At least I was, I was like fully on board for that final act. Yeah. Okay. There's, so, the, Oh, I, I, I was going to add to that. The, there's some stuff they did in that, in that final act that is just brilliant mm-hmm. because they set up things. Um, and you'll know what I'm talking about. They set up things where you think something's happening, happening, based on the context of what we saw up till that point. Yep. And then when they show what those things are, it's not what we thought. Not that there's a twist, but they're doing those things for something else that's has nothing yeah. to do with anything. But then there's this other thing going on that they had no idea what was there. So it, it's weird because it's not a, like if you're watching, it's not a twist, but it's a twist for the character. It, yep. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that, I, I, yeah. I, I don't think we should do a full episode, but I kind of do want to talk about it because, like, yeah, that final act is really, really good. I'm surprised, I, Bruce. Oh, I'm sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. I was going to say, I do have a question for you guys. The only thing about the final act I didn't like was the final shot. The final moments you kind know, of I'm, left me just slightly like, no, I wanted to be a little bit something different there. I'm not going to talk about what it is. Right. I I would. I would oh, okay. My, I know yeah. what you're talking about. I, I think that's in a... I don't even, I think I'm going to not defend it, but I'm thinking time and place, trying to make a statement yeah, and trying to put a little bit of a hammer to the nail when you need to need the hammer or the nail, because you already have, it's a beautiful, yeah. it's a be, whatever you have right there is already beautiful. So yeah. I think Eric, you were going to say something about the ending. Oh, it's, it's just, uh, I, 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 I was trying to think of what the final shot was and then I remembered it and yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it was okay. so strong. But, it was so strong all the way to that point. And I don't it, think it, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt the movie. Put it this yeah. way. It doesn't I, hurt the movie at all. It's just like that little final period wasn't really 
quite the period that I wanted, but it wasn't enough to like change a rating or anything on it. You're talking about the iconography. Yeah. Almost even just the way it was shot. There's a, there's a way that the motion changes that just kind of bothered me. Uh, well, they do that again, a lot stylist. in the movie, though. That that weird yeah, slow motion. Yeah, me. Yeah, it didn't bother me during the movie because it was like it led to other moments. It, it, it's a small thing. It's yeah. it's it's nitpicking, kind of. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I I thought it I thought it kind of worked because they they did that a lot throughout the movie. That weird. Mm. It's not really slow motion. Slow motion. It's that choppy slow motion. Which yeah, it's like post slow motion or digitally not digital, but like they turn it into slow motion after the fact or something. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. They didn't overcrank the camera or whatever. They could have had a. I, I thought they could have had a better final shot, but like you said, it doesn't ruin doesn't ruin the exper- experience yeah. for me. I thought it was. I thought Southern Comfort is such an underrated Walter Hill film. I'm uh, Eric. Are you surprised it's not considered one of his that it's com- it's completely overlooked? Like when they people skip over that, they go the Warriors. Oh, and by the way, he did Forty Eight Hours and and the Driver, and then Southern Comfort is just yeah. like. I I would say I'm not surprised just because you look at his filmography something's got to get swept under the rug it you know he he does so many of, of these classic movies these great movies that you know something you know something's gonna get swept under the rug might as well be that could have just as easily been streets of fire which i guess kind of is hard times is a great movie and it's only known for really being his first movie and that charles bronson's in it but it doesn't get talked about as much as say 48 hours does yeah i mean you know Bullet to the head. I mean, everyone should be talking about bullet to the head, but no one does. It, it, you know, just, when, when you when you just shit out masterpiece after masterpiece, eventually there's <laughs> going to be something that don't quite, that don't quite uh, take with the. Uh, but at the same time, I'm glad this movie exists because you know if you're just if you're listening to this and you're just uh, discovering it now, and you like Walter Hill, that that's key. You gotta like Walter Hill. Yeah. If you've seen past Walter Hill movies, and it's like, ah, oh, that's too guys, guy, you know, sexist or whatever. Not that this movie's sexist, but I, I I know that there's certain people that don't like the aesthetics of John Milius or Walter Hill. This isn't going to turn you on to them because it's just kind of more of that same sort of thing, which I love. But if you do like Walter Hill and you haven't heard of this, well, hell, you're in for a treat. <laughs> you just uncovered the diamond, which is also fun. Yeah, I I, th- I thought Southern Comfort. It's the first time I saw it was about a year and a half ago, and I thought I was surprised at how deep this movie was. That each of the characters they have level of depth. The writing was excellent in this movie, and yeah, blew me away because we're getting to Last Man Standing now. Last Man Standing released in 1996. Ry Cooter is back as the composer. Ry Cooter, again directed by Walter Hill, starring Bruce Willis, Bruce Dern. William Sanderson, David Patrick Kelly from The Warriors. It's basically a re, sort of a remake, reimagination of Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo. Bruce Willis, he plays this guy named John Smith. John Smith being like a John Doe. John Smith enters this sort of ghost town. And John Smith is really good with guns. Okay, he's good with guns. And he's, he finds himself right in the middle of this I don't know, in this really weird town, ghost town, where it's run by two rival mobs. And what he does is he parlays, he plays one mob against each other. His goal in this town is to, for he's a gun gunslinger for hire. He wants to make as much money as he can from both gangs and get out of town with a whole, whole lot of money. Now, Bruce Perky, 
when was the first time you saw Last Man Standing? Was this the first time? And your overall thoughts regarding this 96 Hill film? I saw it actually in the theater um, when it came out. And I don't remember it very well from when I saw it in the theater. And I saw it again this time, pretty much other than knowing Bruce Willis is in it and remembering like lots of dusty you know, brown tans. And I remember, I remember giant gunfights and that was about it. This time, this doesn't work as well for me as Southern Comfort. And we'll talk about some reasons why there's some things I do love about it, but there's some things that really bother me about this movie too. So I would say this is to me a moderately successful movie, but not, I would not aim people towards this one first. If they're going to go into Walter Hill, that's for sure. Very good. Very, very cool. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on maybe a rewatch first time you saw last man standing and then now on the rewatch, you're, did it uptick for you or stay on the same level? I, I saw this movie late. I, I remember when this came out and it got bad reviews. So, it you know, and I was like, well, it's a bad movie. But I'm not going to watch it. But my friend, uh, Matt Thrall, really liked this movie at the time. I think he still does. I eventually watched it and, you know, it, it, it was fun. It was a fun kind of action movie. And then rewatching again, I, I get, I get why this movie gets the bad reviews. It, it's, it's this of the two movies. This one's the most like streets of fire in that it's not, this movie doesn't take place in the real world. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> this, this movie is a, a complete fantasy. Um, and which is fine and and like i said i love streets of fire but like streets of fire is so overtly a fantasy that i can get into that more this one seems like it should be grounded in reality but it still has that same fantasy element that uh streets of fire does and <laughs> but the, this one still has its uh moments well first of all you have to uh give props to uh christopher walken doing his his version <laughs> of an irish accent <laughs> <laughs> he just does the Christopher Walken accent with like uh, I guess there's a little hint of Irish in there uh, with not giving him shit at all that was fantastic I love that but also like uh, Bruce Willis's character oh this room's dirty you gonna clean it all I need is to get my hands on a good gun and I can clean this room up hey Bruce <laughs> Willis my toilet's broken uh, you wanna fix it all I need is a good gun and I can fix that toilet. <laughs> like it, it, all he needs is a good gun and that can solve any problem that Bruce Willis's character has. And, uh, yeah. The, the, the movie's ridiculous, but if you can get on the, on that sort of wavelength and yes. see it as a fantasy, I think you'd have a lot of fun with it. You cannot take this movie seriously at all, but it, it's got a, it's got a lot of definitely, a lot of fun to it for sure i'm watching greg is greg taking it seriously <laughs> well, I, again i saw this 96 again like like you bruce i saw it in the theaters i remember eric it got bad reviews but i saw it in theaters was blown away by the movie so again i was 25 at the time 25 at the time i was just i thought this was amazing this was after he made geronimo i believe geronimo i think was made 92 93 or something like that and i was disappointed in geronimo I remember at the press junket for Geronimo, they gave a really nice backpack and, and jacket. So, I mean, uh, and sweater. So the only reason why I liked Geronimo was the swag that they gave at the press junket. I remember really not liking the movie and loving Last Man Standing, going crazy. And over the years thinking, man, I can't believe more people don't love the brilliance that is Last Man Standing. And whenever people would tell me that they don't know much about Walter Hill, 
that much, I would lead with last man standing. What I didn't realize is the 25-year-old me and 49-year-old me are completely, um, they're <laughs> sort of the same people, but there are different shadings. And last man standing, I'd have to go with Bruce Perky on this. And Eric, Eric Holmes is right. I, I agree with you. Turn your brain off when you, when you watch Last Man Standing. If you, like, if you like Westerns and gangster films in a gumbo pot, you got Tommy Guns in a ghost town and showdown. That's fun. And if you like Walter Hill, another reason to like it. It's entertaining. That said, Bruce Perky talking about enjoying Southern comfort. This is the guy who made Southern friggin' comfort. And I feel like Last Man Standing was made by a guy who knew he could have made a much better movie out of Last Man Standing, but decided to go. I'm not saying I don't. I can't believe I'm saying second gear. I think he. I think he focused on the mechanics of the gunplay, and the actual construct of it being cool, as opposed to really executing the deep part of Walter Hill, which we mentioned all of those movies before 48 Hours the quality of those movies. I feel like even though this movie, like Eric, you were saying about the, the popcorn ish effects of it. I just feel it could have, it could have had a little bit more to it. And I feel bad looking back at it and realizing that all last man standing is, is a really pale imitation of an amaze of what a, an amazing Walter Hill movie could be. And it's feels like, I hate to say it, a vehicle for Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was definitely that. But yeah. also, I mean, you know, this is, I, I don't think this is top shelf Walter Hill, but at the same time, yeah. I enjoy this movie on a completely different level. <laughs> yeah. Yes. hundred percent. You, you know what, what you can do. This, this movie is broken, but all I need is a good gun to get this <laughs> movie back. On so here's, here's the, let's, okay, let's talk now. Let's, let's get into this. So, what you said, I think, is exactly right, Eric. Like, tr- it doesn't commit to either being just a serious, real-world gangster movie or being just such crazy, over-the-top fantasy movie. Where, and, and I think a perfect comparison would be whether you like it or not, Kill Bill, when they start chopping its limbs off and you know the blood is just spraying in geysers and everything, you're like, okay, I know I'm in a highly stylized, unrealistic world. I'm going to like this or I'm not going to like it, but I know what I'm in. Now here, the first indication, you know, the first time he shoots somebody, they fly backwards and I'm not exaggerating, probably 20 feet. (laughs) And then they fly, they fly from inside a saloon backwards through the doors, at least another five or six feet into the street and then roll over. And I'm like, okay, but it it didn't lean into that enough if that's what it's going to do. But you can enjoy it on that level if you want to go like, okay, this is just going to be fucking ridiculous. Let's just get fucking ridiculous. I started writing down, this movie should be called Gangsters Getting In and Out of Cars and Shooting. Because <laughs> that's pretty much the movie. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, yep. that, it does that well, though. The the whole idea of the... Uh, I, I don't know if that... The weird thing is, is it's based off a of Akira Kurosawa movie. So you yes. think Akira Kurosawa, and I'm not that steeped in it, Akira Kurosawa, but I know that that name brings baggage to it. People think Akira Kurosawa, they think masterpiece of cinema, this and that. And Last Man Standing is not that. 
right. Last Man Standing is a really fun action movie, which actually is what Akira Kurosawa, you know, if you see his movies, that's kind of what they are. They're crowd-pleasing movies. But oddly enough, that's not his reputation, which is strange. We're going to have to I, do a Akira Kurosawa director's spotlight at some point. But yeah, the, this movie yeah. is... Uh, this movie definitely takes the uh, fun and excitement of a Akira Kurosawa movie and uh, just kind of ramps it up to 11, just gets ridiculous with it. And so it's fun on that level. But, um, yeah, if you're looking for something deeper than that, there's not much there. I but be- I, that, that, that doesn't mean it's a movie. It's just a different type of movie than maybe people were expecting. No, I think I... I- give you two things until tell me if you guys agree with this two things that i think would immediately make this movie at least one star higher one is i would just not have any voiceover by bruce willis none <laughs> none um is, is it because he's not a great vo or just you don't well, you don't want that construct in this narrative because i think that they are using that to, and the problem to me one of the biggest problems in the movie is that it's actually kind of confusing like it doesn't, the stakes and the events and everything aren't very clear sometimes. Like I'm not sure, for a perfect example would be like, I'm not sure why they don't kill him multiple times. There's so many times when there's like 10 guys standing around him and he's done something bad. And I'm like, well, just kill him. Uh, but the second <laughs> thing I would do, and I don't know, because I mean, I'm kind of rewriting the movie, right? But you could make the same story and have it told in the actions and in the character's dialogue and not him voicing over this. This is an example of bad voiceover in my opinion. And it also adds that super, what Eric is saying, which is the, the extra Bruce Willis-ness of this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? As opposed to the good stuff that Bruce Willis does, which is be a kick-ass action guy, right? The other thing I would change is the editing. I don't know who edited this movie, but the editing to me is extremely weird and distracting. There are weird dissolves and superimposed sequences that just confuse me. And I feel like throughout this movie that I, the, the scenes that I wanted to see that are not voiceover, that are actually scenes of the things occurring are cut. Like there's a moment where we go out and some people are going to get massacred and we have one of those cuts and the massacres happened. And they yeah. just say, yep, they're almost all dead. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, what, what? That's what I wanted to see. I want to see that. We didn't even see that. So I guess that would be the two things I would say. Take away that, write more dialogue, write more scenes that actually tell us the story and edit it in a more straightforward way. Because I think the editing got too dreamy or something. I don't know. What do you I guys kind think? Of, I kind of agree with you on the, uh, take, the take the voiceover out or lean into it more yeah well right right you can go <laughs> like, both ways like, like go, go really soup like it it, it was because pretty then it becomes a comedy right then it becomes yeah. an actual comedy but yeah. it's not trying to be an actual comedy i would so. actually oh man no oh i would really love to see that by the way last man guys- standing with more hard-boiled <laughs> With voiceover, I'm like, it could be hilarious. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen Geronimo and American Legend? Just right off the top, I haven't. No, I've heard it's pretty no. good, though. I've heard it's great. Okay, so directed by Walter Hill. Okay, you've heard it's great. 93, 19, released in 1993. Do you guys know who wrote it? John Milius. Screenplay, John Milius. Well, <laughs> there you go. Like this. Right. There I you mean, go. 
that's one of those movies that I think definitely, hopefully down the road, we, we got to track, track down. I've got to re- rewatch it. Maybe I'm, sh- I'm having a feeling it's going to be a lot better than I think it is. I almost said, and I'm glad I didn't because I, I was about to say this earlier and I didn't because I'm like, you know, because I have seen a lot of Walter Hill. Obviously, I haven't seen all of them, but I was like, how come Walter Hill and John Milius never work together? I almost said that out loud. I just did now, he, but I fine. said it now after you told me they did. And now I got to track. I have to track it. I must see this. <laughs> I must. <laughs> Eric, you're talking about like how this could be an amazing comedy if they just lean into it, played it absolutely straight like they are now, but just lean into it a little harder with the over seriousness of it. And I thought there was a moment that almost did that. Um, there's a moment where um, Bruce Dern's character, right? He's the oh, he's great in this, by the way. Yeah, right. He's the sheriff who just doesn't give a damn. He's letting it all happen. So. Yeah. And there's a point later in the movie where he goes like, I don't know why I'm helping you. You know, <laughs> remember that? <laughs> and that's an example of the kind of stuff you could have done in this movie. Cause it's, it's kind of like a self-aware commentary on like, well, we don't know why you're doing it either, dude. You know, like, it's kind of like, <laughs> why are you helping him? You just said earlier that you were this guy that didn't give a shit and you're going to let him all die. And he's like, you're helping him. So I, it's on the edge of being that. And I think if you go into it with that attitude, you could actually enjoy the hell out of this movie just kind of tweaking your brain, like you said, just slightly and understanding like, hey, you know what? This is a crazy movie. This is not going to make any sense. It's not really good in the serious, like hardcore, hard-boiled way, but it's it's good in almost a bonkers, like alternate reality way. So- you know, I think, I think um, Eric made a really great point at the beginning when he was talking about some of this stuff is gonna, can be sort of like junk food. Okay, and... It's one of those things that you have to reconcile the fact that, okay, you may love hard times or Southern comfort or the, just the, the, the thematic fabric of the warriors. You, 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 you like some of that dense Walter Hill stuff, but you got to understand that you, you can, there's space to also enjoy some of the cheeseburger stuff. And mm-hmm. I think Last Man Standing is one of his cheeseburgers. And I think that's, that's it. There's some stuff that's the junk food, which is execute. Look, Sorry, Eric. Bullet to the head is a cheeseburger. Okay, bullet to the head is a total it, fantastic it looks, cheeseburger. It it's is an a fa- in and out cheeseburger. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, come on, yeah. yeah. Warriors is a cheeseburger, don't you think? I no, I think war I think Warriors it, it is I think Warriors is a cheeseburger, but I think time and place, I think Maybe I'm over. No, I mean, when they're in the the baseball guys in the uh, come on, it's a cheeseburger. But see, that's the difference, right? That movie says, look at how crazy and heightened reality I am. Like, that's good point. That's good point. So this is almost this is almost there. Like, for example, this movie looks beautiful. I think I think some of the shots in here are breathtaking. And I think the opening sequence of this movie is spectacular. And it just needed to do that so when he starts out he comes to a crossroad he spins his empty bottle to figure out which way to go he rolls into town there's a dead horse with flies all over it laying in the middle of the road i'm like and then he gets stopped in the middle of the road by the gangsters it's so over the top i'm like this is awesome but it needed to commit it needed to keep that going because that was so stylistically like okay this is not even reality. It's like crazy dark reality. You know, this is like, this is like prohibition. This is like, you know, it needed to keep that going. And um, then it tried to kind of go realistic and you're like, what? 
So for another example, there's a moment where he gets beat the hell down and he, and something happens after that. I love that little sequence. It was so over the top and ridiculous. And I loved it. You know, like when I'm talking about how he ends up extricated from that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Bruce Willis. Do we need to know that he's going to get out of that? So <laughs> I, that I think, kind of uh, stuff is great. I think one of the reasons why I love Streets of Fire so much and why this one remind th- this was almost like Streets of Fire, but it didn't go for it. Like Streets of yeah. Fire goes yes. Streets of Fire right. goes for it. And yes. they're they're pretty much the same movie. Mm-hmm. Uh first of all, well, first of all, uh the the you know, you got the Jim Steinman music in Streets mm-hmm. of Fire, which is better. Uh, Streets of Fire is ridiculous and really colorful, and and they go for the ridiculousness of it, and that's better. It has <laughs> it has the uh, the where those uh, uh, like sledgehammer fight at the end with yes. uh, Will Willem Dafoe at the end, yeah. and it, it does it does everything that Last Man Standing does, but it does it well. No, I don't think Streets of Fire has a voiceover. I could be wrong. I don't, I don't think, think it, does. it does either. Uh, but beyond that, it like Streets of Fire just goes fucking. It just goes for it. Where yes. Last Man Standing kind of it, it's it's there. If it went for it, like Last Man Standing could have been a Western version of Streets of Fire. Yes. And both it, and it could have it could even been a sequel as far as I'm concerned because they're, they're kind of they're kind of kindred spirits in that regard. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. We all agree. I think we all agree, right? Yeah. Last Man Standing should have committed a little bit more. Still a fun movie, still entertaining. It's a Walter Hill movie. I think. The, I think the gem of this of this one of this episode was Southern Comfort. It's mm-hmm. it's highly ignored. I would have to say Last Man Standing is a little bit ignored too, but not people within our age, within our generation. People know what Last Man Standing is thanks to Bruce Willis being in it. But Southern Comfort, hardly anyone knows about this, and I think this is one of those. Bruce, you agree? It's one of those movies that they should unearth on Tubi if it's around, if they're into that Walter Hill stuff. Yeah, I think especially if you like late 70s, early 80s, um, real streamlined action type of movies, like this should be in that repertoire for you, you know? Well, okay, so that's it. Final thoughts on Walter Hill. Oh, yes, Eric Holmes. This will go into my final thoughts. Okay. And I'm thinking of this in real time. And I'm called, and you know, at first I'm like, yeah, last man saying is not that good. But the more I'm thinking about it, okay, <laughs> here's what you do. Okay. You watch Streets of Fire. Just after you're done watching this, and after Bruce says something brilliant, and Greg says something brilliant, just listen to my dumbass for three seconds, maybe five. Go watch Streets of Fire. You know you love Streets of Fire. I love Streets of Fire. Everyone loves Streets of Fire. It's a great movie. Watch Streets of Fire and go, wow, that was a really good movie. I heard that Last Man Standing wasn't very good. Ah, to uh, correction, Last Man Standing is a great movie. Last Man Standing is a prequel to Streets of Fire. Bruce Willis plays Cody's uh, great great grandfather. I, 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 I'm, I'm just the more I'm thinking of it, the more I'm tickled that that Last Man Standing is a prequel to Streets of Fire. They're, they're Cody and uh, Bruce Willis. They're same, related. Same universe. By the way, little shout out to friend of the show, our friend Angie Clark. She was mentioning in our Cinematics Facebook group the other day. 
that she's looking forward to our talking about Walter Hill. The, the funny thing about Angie Clark is she's a big reason why we did the Ida Lupino uh, director spotlight. She she knew more about Ida than we do, and probably does now even more. But she started. <laughs> she actually broke out with a DVD she recently purchased because we're doing the Walter Hill episode. The movie slash miniseries is called Broken Trail. Broken Trail, directed by Walter Hill. I'm going to definitely check this out. We're going to report back to Angie, I'm sure. It has a 7.7 out of 10. Broken Trail, 2006-2007 miniseries starring Thomas Hayden Church and Robert Duvall. So I saw a, a couple of those, a couple of clips on YouTube today. It looks, you know, this is just during the, the Deadwood era. So mm-hmm. this is, this looks like it could be interesting. One of the actors in this, in Broken Trail, by the way, is this actor named Scott Cooper. Scott Cooper plays this guy named Gilpin. I saw his scene in Broken Trail on YouTube. Scott Cooper was an actor but he would eventually become a director. Scott Cooper has directed such films in 2009, 2006. Remember Broken Trail was released. He was an actor, but three years later, he made this movie in 2009 called Crazy Heart. 2013, he did Out of the Furnace. 2015, double thumbs up. How about this? 2015, he did Black Mass. Double thumbs up. And then in 2017, he did an underrated Western called Hostels. Have you ever seen Hostels? Mm-hmm. Oh, you mm-hmm. love that? Okay, so yeah, just a little thing. I will, so thank- I will say this about Scott Cooper. I, I know he gets a lot of shit. Me and my brother Steve fucking love his movies. I, for some reason, people don't, the, don't get shit. I don't get it. I, and he's got the uh, Antler. What was it? Antlers, Antlers is coming that, out. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. Called. Which we've been oh, waiting for it to come out. Oh, I can't wait for it. Just put it all over <laughs> my body. <laughs> Well, uh, Bruce, final thoughts on on Walt Hill, and uh, we're, 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 we're going to do a Scott Cooper episode soon. Don't worry. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, Walter Hill. I say, don't be discouraged by us like having a little fun with Last Man Standing. There is a ton of great Walter Hill stuff out there, um, and I would say a lot of people probably have come across a lot of those movies, but. I think we always assume that because we've come across them, but some of you may not have. And if you haven't. You know, go back and check out some of those awesome movies like 48 Hours and Streets of Fire and uh, The Warriors and on and on and on, all the stuff that Greg mentioned too. So there's, we just kind of touched the very tip of the very manly iceberg called Walter Hill. (laughs) (laughs) The very tip of the manly iceberg. Just the tip. That's all we touched. (laughs) Very good. A little, 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 a great image there, uh, Bruce Perky. But you know, the reason why I picked Walter Hill is just because of my memory of loving Last Man Standing. I'm glad that I was able to really bring. uh, We were able to talk about Southern Comfort in this episode as well. Again, Last Man Standing is very entertaining. One of the reasons why I love Walter Hill is because he reminds me that I am I am completely one quarter of the man he is. All of those movies are manly men movies. A lot of them are. Brewster's Millions, I don't know. That's more of a cross-the-board universal film, which I, I enjoyed as well. And But you know what? The cool thing about Walter Hill is whether you're eating a cheeseburger like Last Man Standing or, more importantly, diving into something like Southern Comfort, they are manly men, tough guy movies. But a lot of times you see the actual repercussions, especially with something like Southern Comfort, of machismo, of 
being confident, overly confident and in imposing your will on, on other people. It has its consequence in, in Walter Hill film. Sometimes that consequence is more in the realm of entertaining popcorn, but sometimes when he's at his best, there's a lot of subtext to what Walter Hill is, uh, you know, talking about. It's so funny. It's so funny. Uh, Eric Holmes, you were mentioning 10 little Indians when you were talking about Southern comfort, you could apply sort of 10 little Indians as well to his screenplay for alien. So, um, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. So that is it for Walter Hill. Do we have, Oh, Bruce Parkey, you're going to be the next person. Do you have any ideas in your head who you might do? Uh, do you have like a, a three, three balls you're juggling right now? What do, do you have like uh, something in your head that <laughs> you're, you're circ- circling, circling around maybe the next couple of weeks? Yes. Yes. Uh, do you want me to say who I'm probably going to do or oh, you know, okay. Do yeah. Yeah. I want to hear it. I, yeah. I think I'm, I think I've decided I will do Hal Ashby. That's what I want to do mostly because we talked in our previous episode. If you haven't listened to it, we talk about uh, pretty much my favorite movie of all time, which is Harold and Maude, but I haven't seen many of his other movies for a long time. And I know he's got some great work out there and I am juggling which movies to watch. I'm sure going to put being there as one of them. So if you're interested in checking that out, check out Being There. Uh, and I'm thinking probably the last detail, but I'm also maybe coming home. I haven't decided yet on that. So, And Eric Holmes, he's, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Bruce, I'm going to say this. Eric Holmes is actually the most social of our, uh, of our trio. He's, he's trying to get some, some maybe screenwriters, directors, actors into our show. That's an extra element. Eric, you, you've always wanted to have maybe special guests on, our, on Find Your Film. Is that something yeah. you've always... Okay, cool. Yeah, I uh, uh, don't want to say yet because we haven't got confirmation, but uh, we may have uh, we may have special guests on the next uh, regular episode, not the uh, or who knows, maybe maybe it might turn into a in, impromptu uh, spotlight episode. So we'll see what happens, or nothing will happen. Maybe nothing will happen. You never know. Yeah, and Bruce, Bruce, you've you've interviewed a lot of people too, and I mean we're going to be doing a lot more more of that kind of uh, inclusion, uh, including people you know, just to, into our podcast universe for find your film. That's very exciting. I'm so glad that Bruce and Eric are more social than I am because I don't want to talk. These are the only two guys and Anderson that I want to talk about to talk to and, and Angie, that's, that's good enough for me. A little bit TMI for you guys. I, I love you guys too, listeners, but that's it. We are um, Bruce Perky. Lead us out. Lead us out. No, uh, no, let, let oh. Eric do it. He's always better at it than I am. <laughs> Eric, lead us out. No, no, he's not, but Eric, lead us out. You know, no offense, but this show this show wasn't very good. But nothing a good gun can't fix. <laughs> There's our last man standing, Eric Holmes. We will see you guys next week. Take care.